0: Welcome to Combinations, the podcast from North Staffordshire Combined Healthcare NHS Trust. This extended episode features a new innovation we've introduced into our Trust Board programme of Service User Stories, which we're calling Patient Story Plus. We've always attached huge importance to giving service users a voice at the highest level of decision making at combined, through the opportunity to pre-record a short video shown at the Trust Board meeting, telling their story and giving us their views. They've hitherto also attended the Trust Board meeting in person and been able to have a conversation with board members. In this new innovation, our service user will in future be given a new opportunity to follow up their patient story with a detailed discussion one-to-one with Kenny Lang, our Executive Director of Nursing and Quality, to receive feedback on the actions we intend to take in response to their contribution and have a more in-depth discussion about any issues raised. This follow-up discussion, together with the original patient story, will then be released via this podcast. We're delighted to unveil the first edition of Patient Story Plus. It features Chloe, who provides a powerful and challenging reflections, feedback and suggestions for her experience as a service user with cerebral palsy. As you will hear, we are putting in place a range of initiatives and actions, many of them directly involving Chloe herself. You will hear Chloe's original patient story, followed by the conversation with Kenny Lang. If you have any suggestions for future patient or service user stories for our board, we'd be delighted to receive them. You can email our communications team at communications at combined.nhs.uk. But for now, across to Chloe and Kenny.
1: My name is Chloe, I'm 31 and I have cerebral palsy which can mean a lot of different things for a lot of people but for me it means that I can't um, stand, more or independently so I'm entirely reliant on a power chair to move around and on other people to support me with all daily tasks. I can use my hands but they're limited, so eating and drinking is something else that I need help with Um, and I've got lots of voluntary jobs trying to get out there and raise awareness of how rubbish life is for people with cerebral palsy and other disabilities and how we can change that to make life easier and better and happier. for everyone in that situation and the people around them because they get affected too. My physical condition has a massive effect on my mental health because because I aren't able to physically do things independently. I employ my own team of staff in order to live and I was so frustrated about the amount of control that I had to hand to them. Well, I'm, I'm in charge of all my own recruitment and my own management of staff. So having to deal with that when you're dealing with the repercussions of somebody having walked out your daughter because they don't like you anymore because you've been rooted them is really tough. So obviously then that promotes depression and All those other things that we all know about, that we help people as professionals to deal with every day. Um, So did you go to your GP first? Initially, yes. Then he referred me to Healthy Minds. They did what they could, but it wasn't really very much because they could only give me limited help and they weren't really... Aware of anybody else in my situation, so they could only give me like basic stuff that you could find on the internet. Oh, yeah, so then uh, they referred me to the Bennett Centre, who were absolutely lovely, did what they could. Um, I would have stayed with them more long term, but they weren't able to provide me with that support because of how the system works. So then we agreed, after some discussion, that antidepressants might be a good idea instead of talking therapy, because we kind of got to a point where I felt and they felt that they'd had, we'd had all the time to talk, and I was sick of talking and nothing changing. So um, then, uh, in order to get antidepressants, I had to get referred to around our which is liaison psycho psychiatry and i am under dr josh but it is amazing how little the people i have seen know about cerebral palsy and the effect cerebral palsy has on somebody's physical never mind mental health people don't know what the symptoms are they don't know how it has an effect on your life that they're unaware that there's even a system that exists that means people in their own home can employ their own team of staff and how you need mental health support to cope with that. People in this system need to understand that and need to get, well, find a way to help people that turn around and go, I can't deal with this anymore because all I'm trying to do is live my life. I don't want to walk into a, an office or a hospital room and say, help me, I can't cope with cerebral palsy. And for the doctor or whoever I'm seeing to turn around and go, what's cerebral palsy? Because I've been explaining that since I was probably about 10. To everybody around me. It, it's like they have a standard tick box thing and they just go through this tick box thing and they go, have you tried this? Have you tried that? Have you tried the other? And I'm sitting there going, if I hadn't tried all these things, do you think I'd be sat here in front of you going, help. Until recently, I had an appointment every six weeks and every six weeks I saw a different doctor and every six weeks I had to say, I'm here because I've got cerebral palsy. Cerebral palsy is see above Um, and it affects me in a ways and this is what I'm struggling with. And then they sat in front of me and went, well, you're already on antidepressants. Are they working, do you think? Oh, I'm like, yes, as far as I can see, right now this minute, they're making me feel all right. Well, that's good then because there isn't a lot that we can do other than up them if they're not. And I, I then say, well, if you're gonna up, keep upping them when I say I'm not all right, and then you get to the top dogs, what happens? Answer to that was we'll review it next time we see you. Then the next time I went in, totally different doctor, totally different level of professional experience, totally different idea about what I should be doing or not doing. Uh, Who the hell am I supposed to believe? And I said to one doctor, I said, look, while I'm coming here every six weeks, when I've got mental health problems where I need continuity and every time I see a person in here, it's a different person and she was like, oh, it's because the appointments are every six weeks and we rotate every six weeks. Then the next time I went in, different person, same conversation. But if I don't keep coming, then I, I stop being seen and get discharged because I'm not attending appointments. Physically, access-wise, it is okay if I can get there and I can get in the room to see whoever I'm seeing. There isn't any toilet access for me because I need a toilet with a hoist and as far as I'm aware, that's not in the half ones. Some of my PAs live in leak, so they've got to get to and from the hospital, every single day they've got to be able to stay at the hospital. Some of them have got children and other dependents that they need to be here for. And I'm I'm the one that's got to manage that, even though I am in hospital because I'm in crisis because I can't manage my staff because it is too much. Something I found found out. It, it's very tricky which it opened my mind a little bit because the reason there aren't hoists in mental health facilities is because they can be used as ligatures and it's, so it's like what do we do with this this toss up because I totally get that I wouldn't want to put anyone at risk. There just needs to be more awareness and more of an infrastructure that people can have a mental health condition that is triggered by the knock-on effect of a physical one and not necessarily the other way around. People think start off with a mental health condition and go into so much of a crisis that they can't be moved out of bed without having a panic attack. That's dealt with. That's sorted. That, you know, people get taken into hospital, they get given medication so they can get up. So if we can sort that out, why can't we sort it out the other way around? Because it's the same thing, it's just the trigger's different. But no one sees it like that. They go, oh, well, we've not dealt with this before. It's a disabled person. That isn't within our remit. You, at the moment, you bring a 24 hour help out then get, you are on hold. Thank you for waiting. Well, I'm saying to the person next to me that I feel suicidal. And if they don't do something quickly, then I'm gonna walk outside and go in the middle of the road. I think the positive is that I've been able to talk to you and that you do want to listen to me and you do want to change. And no matter how hard it is, you will all agree with me and you will want to find out more and you will want to see what you can do. But in terms of the actual service itself, I'm afraid that I wouldn't say there were any positives because I don't feel, not just for me, but for other people that I'm aware of, I don't feel that there's the right support, support service people with these issues are walking into your rooms feeling like somebody's gonna give them answers. So then um, when you don't, because you can't, it is like the worst thing known to man because you think you're gonna walk in there and get answers and you're gonna walk out feeling a little bit better and when you don't, the rest of life is and you can't even begin to comprehend that you've got to carry on in the mood you were in when you walked through
2: the door. And it was, a, it was an incredible, it was absolutely incredible, um, your story, lyric <laughs> board, was really powerful, really powerful, and um, thanks for doing it. So, so I mean, it was it, over to you, really. I've, I have got some questions, but I want it to be. So there was a lot of conversation afterwards. <clears throat> um, particularly about the points that you raised so i'll i kind of go through them because i made some notes about the things that we talked about but also the things that stuck out for me um in terms of your story so the first one was about um what came over really strongly was how frustrating you felt it was to have to explain you know your condition and what it meant for you over and over and over and over and over and over again yeah how 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 much of a difficulty that was because you know you know you felt and i think quite rightly so that uh, people should know more about the condition so I, I wondered if you had any thoughts about what can we do have you got any ideas about how we can improve that for you or I, anyone else
1: i think um it's all about communication and it's all about a person's medical team or care team or you know, support team. Different people use different terms, so I'll try and cover everything. Um communicating with each other and with the person to ensure that they're all aware of what's going on with whom and why at any given time. Um so that then all we've got to do is when that patient or client or service user turns off is look at a computer screen or you know a a file or notes that they've got and be able to start from where they left off in the last consultation and not at the beginning because they've never seen this person before and they don't know their history yeah it would be a case of oh last time you saw such and such and you discussed this i understand from that that you you brought up these issues you know i've thought about this and this is what i think right now or you know it's difficult but from my research, this is the suggestion I would make. It's almost like there needs to be sort of a case manager, if you like, who pulls everybody together and then looks at the broader picture. Because, I mean, I'm under a number of different specialists and they're all telling me different things. But when you actually sit down, and look at what they are telling me the advice in a lot of senses contradicts itself okay because one one's telling me one thing and another's telling me another but they haven't spoken to each other okay to to ascertain that that there are cross wires so i'm like well which one do i follow because you're all telling me different things And it's impossible to try and do everything together because nobody is looking at the full picture as such.
2: And is that is that within mental health services or the NHS more generally, Clary? Um, I
1: think generally mental health, I think more so in a way, because obviously that situation in itself, can cause a mental health problem because it causes confusion and anxiety that you're not doing the right thing. And for me, I think I said this on my story, the problem that the system has got for me with mental health is that there is an assumption that mental health causes physical problems and not that physical problems cause mental health issues. Yeah. So it's also intertwined because it is my physical situation and the nature of my physical condition that is causing my mental health issues. So the psychiatrist or whoever is involved with me from a mental and emotional point of view needs to be able to have a wider picture around my physical issues, which they don't have but vice versa, the people dealing with my physical issues have no idea how to help we combat the emotional and mental side. Yeah. But if they all came together, then between them, they might come up with some constructive solutions. At the moment, that doesn't seem to be a possibility because that, that joined up communication doesn't appear to be an option, because but well, the doctors haven't got time to have these conversations with each other.
2: Because it sounds like it would be a really helpful thing to do, to have sort of like a, a case conference, a meeting with you, with your, your, your sort of medical doctors who, who provide some support for your physical health care and then your mental health support as well. It sounds like a really, well, it's not that straightforward. I guess but in one way because it it requires more coordination but in in another way it does seem quite straightforward. Yeah well
1: another thing I have said to people before is children with physical disabilities so when you're a child and you're in the school system um, every I don't know probably six to twelve months they have what they call a review and basically, all the professionals <laughs> involved in that child's care yeah. come together. So medical professionals, teachers, social workers, parents, they all come together initially without the child, but that's because they're a child
2: Yeah.
1: and, you know, it works slightly differently. But then towards the end, the child is involved as well and they discuss the child's progress, um, you know, during the last sort of six months. And then anything that needs changing or adjusting or that people need to be made aware of gets put forward in that meeting so that everybody is on the same page. And so everything said at that meeting gets taken into account yeah in terms of anything that should happen with their future care Uh, and that's it's a thing within the nhs within schools Mm. um you know in the children's services all the systems talk to each other yeah automatically as soon as you get to adulthood with any kind of physical disability that stops yeah and you don't always realize it has stopped until you get to where i am so i'm in my own thirties now and then you kind of think hang on a minute this is why i'm having all these issues because nobody's talking to each other anymore
2: it seems like if you had a case conference that communication would be much better wouldn't it yeah definitely
1: definitely and i mean i'm lucky you know i've got a really supportive care team and a really supportive family. So I am in a situation to be able to bring everybody together myself and make sure everybody knows what's going on. But that's not easy. And if you're a person who's got long standing mental health issues and you struggle to communicate or you don't have the the use of speech for communication, um, you know, or you don't even have capacity to understand what's happening with your care. That is not at all possible because the system will not do it for you. So there's so many people that I know of that have had ongoing but minor health issues and these health issues have then come become more severe, whether it be mental or physical, because of a lack of communication and a lack of case
2: conferencing hmm.
1: really within the nhs system
2: and it struck me on the video and talking to you obviously now that you know you're someone who's you know really capable independent you know you 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 um you, you've got your own budget and you arrange your own care but like you say not everyone's in that position although there are people who have got you know other other issues going on who might not be able to have that the same um, level of independence and strength of character that you have to be able to do that for themselves?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's about being able to. I mean, you know, I've had friends who are a bodybuilder in the medical profession and I've taken interest in medicine, if you like. So I, I know a lot of the technical terms and from lived experience and from knowing people who are. On the professional side, but not everybody's had that experience. So I can read a letter and think, Hang on a minute, they me- mean this, but that's not going to work for me. So I can then phone them up and go, Hang on a minute, your letter says you're going to do this, but I'm not happy with that. Mm. Whereas a lot of other people will just get a letter or be told something and be like, Right, okay. And before they know it, they've gone down the wrong path of treatment. Because somebody isn't aware of what else might be going on in their history, which
2: affects that. Yeah. And in mental health services, we've, we traditionally use, uh, you know, the care programme approach for managing our, uh, you know, the sort of case conference aspect. But I think a lot of the time, if you're seeing a single professional, so if you're just seeing a doctor, for example, you may not be, you may not have CPA reviews. And also, it tends to focus on mental health professionals communicating with each other. It often doesn't include uh, physical health specialists. Um, So again, I think there's a lot to learn from what you're saying.
1: Yeah, I mean, it depends on the person. I mean, it might be that somebody isn't involved with anybody from the physical side and just requires mental health, which in that case is fine. But there are a group of people out there who have long-standing mental health issues purely because, like myself, of a knockout effect because of the physical issues that I have to deal with. You know, I remember saying to, because I don't know if you know, but I went to have a look around one of the wards at the Yeah.
2: And
1: there was um, a lady in there I was talking to, and we were saying how neither of us could believe that, you know, Physical and mental health being brought together had never been thought of. And I said, Well, you know, what if there's somebody in the the orthopedic department with a broken leg who's got a cast on and is having panic attacks all the time because, you know, they're, they're really frightened because they've got this cast on their leg? Mm. You would obviously. You might then get mental health involved, but you know, because I've got cerebral palsy and this is my normal, yeah, that is not generally thought of and generally it's not a thing of, you know, well let's let's bring the two sides together if you like. If somebody needs an MRI scan but they've got claustrophobia, instead of not doing the MRI scan to sort out the physical issues, where's the therapeutics that should be under the scanner with them.
2: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. You know oh. what I mean? Like the whole thing could be a hell of a lot more holistic.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. I think there's a there's a lot more we can do. I think mental health uh, services traditionally for years haven't really um to the to the degree that we should have been um been as as keyed on mental and physical health issues as we need to be i think we're getting better but we need to do much much more and i think it's it's good to hear some of the ideas i think one of the things you mentioned in your story as well was about access to uh hoists and other physical aid devices at the yeah in our premises i wondered if you you know what's your been your experience of that
1: um, well, what the, one of the main issues that's come up through our talks, you know, talking with professionals that are involved with yourself, was that, because I mentioned to them that not that I, I need this support at the moment at all, but if I was to come in as an inpatient yeah. in mental health, I would struggle with toilet access because there aren't any hoists yeah which i need in order to transfer from my chair to the toilet yeah. with one person and obviously getting the support of two people to stay with me on a ward
2: yeah
1: would be quite difficult and um, and when i mentioned this the first thing the lady i was talking to said was well we don't have those in here because they can be used as legages
2: yeah
1: and i was like that's an interesting point i hadn't thought of but at the same time, fair enough, you've got to protect people from suicide. But you also need to make sure people can access basic amenities like going to the toilet yeah. and having a bath. You know, if somebody with a, a physical problem is in a ward for weeks on end and can't get out of bed without a hoist, yeah. then, you know, surely you're doing them more of a disservice with their mental health then you would be without putting it there because they're not, they're going to be bed bound.
2: Yeah.
1: And if you've already got a mental health problem and then you're told you told you're not allowed to be out of bed, how is that making them better?
2: We could potentially look at, um, you know, different ways of having different um, bathroom facilities that are more friendly and more flexible in their use. So I think it, it's something we definitely need to think about. It's always a balance, like you say.
1: I think sometimes, um, A lot of people will instantly think about the red tape. But those people I was talking to in that world on that day when I looked around, they actually hadn't ever seen a TV track close before or knew how it worked. And when they actually looked at it, they were like, actually, now we come to think of it, there might be ways around it. So I think straight away people go health and safety. And then that's that. It's just... And now, whereas if people went, hang oh, on a minute, that's an issue. but what can we do with this to yeah. find that balance? Um,
2: yeah, I absolutely agree. I think what, so one of the things we're hoping to do, Chloe, in the next <clears throat> period of time over the next year or two, well, probably starting sooner, but lasting a couple of years, is doing some refurbishment of our wards. And one yes. of the things that would be really fantastic, actually, um, if you were willing, it would be to help us look at the redesign of some of those facilities. Yeah. Of course. Um, because yeah. I think it would be really, really good to get your lived experience in terms of uh, in terms of getting that balance right, I think. It, it definitely, yeah. definitely would be very, very helpful for us, because um, we want to be able to get the balance right. Like you say, health and safety is a big issue, but if we can, yeah. if we can mitigate that and make it as friendly and as accommodating and as uh able to give independence to people with conditions yeah. similar to yours that, that would be fantastic so that was something yeah, that might definitely,
1: have really uh, yeah i would definitely be interested in helping have been out with that i yeah. think it, it would be really beneficial because generally within hospitals now it actually makes me laugh because it it like say for example next week I'm going for a day out to the zoo. That's got a toilet with a hoist.
2: Yeah,
1: I'm coming to a hospital appointment. That's more than an an hour or two long. I have to bring a second PA because there isn't a toilet with a hoist available. So they can put one in the zoo, Mm -hmm. but they can't put one in the hospital where probably half the people go in there would require it in order to be comfortable.
2: And we want to be, you know, absolutely as accessible as possible. So I think, you know, when we're we're looking at doing some refurbishment of any of our buildings, we absolutely need to be making sure that accessibility is right at the top of the list. Um, Because otherwise it excludes people, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely.
1: But in doing, in looking at accessibility, you need to do two things. One is that you, you don't want to just look at the building regs and say that because you've fulfilled the building regs, you therefore have an accessible premises. Because the building regs were written in 19 something and they're, they're not based on the disabled people that are around nowadays because more people now are surviving for longer and with more and more complex issues that we're learning to live with. And so society needs to do that too. So it's about not just looking at a list of regulations, actually speak to people with these issues about what their preferred method of access is. And you probably won't find anything that's perfect for everybody because it's impossible because visibility is so diverse. But if you can at least try and find some kind of middle ground that can suit the majority and if it can't suit an individual, then what other things can you do to ensure that despite that they still get the same level of support is someone else in the same situation. And certainly talk to disabled people. I mean, I would probably have a look round and help out, but I won't be aware of all the disabilities and issues that other people might have. Like, I'm not I'm not blind, I'm not deaf, I don't have a learning disability, I don't have any autism of any description. So You know make sure that you try you get a you know a variety of people who can look at these things and give their views yeah and you might find that some of them are in conflict because you know there's all sorts of different things but at least then you're aware of some of the issues that people might face
2: no it's absolutely a point well made yeah, the, the more the more inclusive we can be, and the more the wider range of different conditions, and peoples and individuals we can involve, the better. It's a, it, you get more of a sense, don't you? And it's more it's a, it's more information. It's more meaningful.
1: Yeah. Well, when I came to look around the world, for example, um, we realised that because I was in my chair, the signs were high up, and I said to them. I can't see the yeah. signs on the doors because they're too high. And the lady was shooting me around and said, oh, it's an interesting point, but we've had to move them up because people keep ripping them off the doors, like when they get angry and things. Yeah. And I said, well, that's an easy solution. She said, what? Well, I said, paint the words on the doors because yeah. they can't rip painter." Yeah. And she went, that's a fair point. I thought of that. But it's about thinking creatively and thinking outside of the box to think, well, what can we do that would satisfy those issues with this? Yeah. And, you know, they had screens that were high up on the walls and I said, well, can you not put it all into an app and let people get it sent to their phones so then they can see it wherever they are. They don't have to come into a corridor and look at the screen.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And they'll be able to put it in a format that's that accessible to them because it's on their own mobile phone.
2: Sounds like you've got loads of really fantastic ideas. I do like the uh, I like stencils, you know, instead of the signs. I think I've I've seen them yeah. in other, other hospitals and I think it is a really good idea. Yeah. Some of them could be quite arty as well, which is really nice.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like. I know art therapy for some people with mental health problems is really good. So, you know, why not get the patients involved in a project
2: yeah.
1: to do that? Because not only will it it help you as a hospital because they'll be signing, but it will also help the patients to feel like they've got a purpose and, you know, they might be stuck there, but it, they're still worth something as people
2: yeah so we the other thing one of the other things we do which as you were talking it just kind of occurred to me we do do um our place reviews every year um and they are where we've got um both uh staff who work in the hospital but also people who use our services go and look at all the different areas of our, our organization all the different ward areas and look at the environment physical environment so again I think I'm not I'm not 100% sure what the cohort of people is that, that that do that and how many service users we've got in there. But I think it's really important that we look objectively and use different people's experiences in that. So um, I need to think about that because your again your observation about signs being too high. You know, yeah. If you're, if you're an able-bodied person and you know like me, I'm six foot. I would never never notice that. But like you say, if you're a wheelchair user, it's completely it's a different perspective altogether, isn't it?
1: Yeah, definitely. There's all sorts of things that um, you wouldn't even think about and probably I wouldn't actually be aware of until somebody able-bodied came up to me and said, that's so much lower than where my airline is. Because for me, it's always been like that. Yeah. So you, you know, you don't think, I, I will honestly sit here and categorically say that there are things that everybody people say to me that I am not the slightest bit aware of mm. and don't ever think about because I've never had the need to. Like, for example, what it's like to walk backwards.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. Like, there's all sorts of things and so therefore I completely understand when somebody wouldn't see it from my perspective. Yeah. But it doesn't make it any less easy when you come up against issues and and you think you you know you're frustrated. So you think, why haven't they thought of that? Yeah. Actually when you sit down and think about it it's quite easy not to when you're coming from a different perspective. And that's why we we all need to come together. Again, going back to what we said earlier, it's about that communication and that getting together regularly to make sure all these things are, are thought of. Yeah. And not just giving lip service to so that we can tick a box on the
2: equality form. Absolutely. Now, all the best things I think that are done, not just in healthcare, but we're talking about healthcare now, but I think where you've got people with lots of different... Perspectives and experiences. You know, you've got professionals involved. You've got people who use the service. You've got carers. You've got commissioners. You know, if you're going to do something really well, accountants even. Although I'm not, you know, I'm not an accountant, but they're important. So every everyone um, who has got different perspectives in one room designing stuff together, it can be it can be really good, really powerful. Yeah. More of it. The other thing I was going to mention was again in your in your story that we heard at board. Um you made some reference to people really not understanding or having very little awareness of cerebral palsy. And I, I just wondered again if you'd had any experiences or thoughts about wh- how we can how we can make that a bit better? Because well, again I th- it seemed to frustrate you quite a lot and you you were amazed yeah. at how little people knew.
1: I think um, generally what needs to happen now... And- I suppose this is more of a broader thing, but I think like the medical students and the registrars need to be given more training on not just cerebral palsy, cerebral palsy is one of them, but specific disabilities and conditions so that they can immediately see when they see a person with such condition and XYZ mental health problem, how the two might interlock. Yeah. Because what happens is they go into med school training and they probably, because they're in the mental health field, they will probably get, I don't know, maybe half an hour yeah. of lecturing or resources about specific conditions. So they therefore don't know enough about that condition in relation to the field that they've chosen to train in Yeah to, to give people, um, you know, a proper diagnosis or professional opinion and that is absolutely throw no fault to their own because they're not given the time and the support to look into that further but for me as a patient, I'm going in to see a doctor I don't know what level qualified they are and I'm, I'm walking in there and I'm expecting an answer about why I'm feeling the way I feel. So for them to sit around and go, I don't know what cerebral palsy is, and mind your mental health problem. How do you think coming from the other end that as a patient makes me feel? Yeah. And I, even when I'm able to articulate that to a doctor, and they've gone. I'm, I'm so sorry. I wasn't aware of this. You know, I still walk out of some of those appointments in tears because I haven't found any answers again. But if there's somebody that's not able to articulate why they find that so frustrating, then you can imagine the implications that all that will have. Yeah. Um. So the The system, I think, needs to change in the sense of how the registrars work. Because when I first started seeing the liaison on psychiatrists, I had like trainee registrars, but their rotation is every six weeks. Mm-hmm. My appointments were every six weeks, so every time I was coming into clinic. I was seeing a different trainee registrar who hasn't had the training with cerebral palsy as we've just discussed and is so early in the mental health side of things that I am way too complex for them to even to begin to know about. And I've literally seen them sit in front of me Googling
2: Yeah.
1: and I'm sitting there thinking. I could be doing this at home and I could find out the same answer as he or she is, you yeah. know, and genuinely they don't want to to sit in front of me and Google. Some of them have apologised to me for it, but they, they don't have another option because there's nobody there to support them to make that appropriate diagnosis. So I feel it might not be this easy. I don't know all about the logistics, but people like me, need to either be regularly seen by a consultant or have a consultant around during their consultation to support said registrars through helping me to to find the right options for me rather than me just sitting in a room and listening to them real side effects that i could potentially have from a book which is what was happening, and then go, oh, well, we're not sure what this is about, but your your antidepressants work, so let's put them off a bit more. So I, of course, then go, well, when I get to the top dose, what will you do then? Oh, we don't know. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. And I'm like, surely there must be more constructive solutions than just doping somebody up on drugs and hoping for the best. Luckily enough for me it was it was spotted and I was seen by the consultant and he has now carried on seeing me. And because he's been in the job for a, hell of a lot longer, he's seen lots of similar cases to mine. Yeah. Um so between us we have been able to come up with solutions, but it's only because he's got that level of experience. Yeah. And that. It's his lived experience in the job, if you like, has enabled him to support me in this way. I mean, one of the major things we had was that I started taking an antidepressant that was new to me. And I can pin back to the day I started taking it. My legs went stiffer than they normally are. And I was saying to these registrars, it gives me muscle stiffness. And they're going, no, it doesn't that's not on the list of side effects must be something else. So I am thinking, well, is my cerebral palsy getting worse? What's going on? When I saw the consultant that might explain this to him, he said, I've been doing this job for 40 years and I've seen people with cerebral palsy on the same drug as you or conditions similar to it. And it does that, but they don't know that because you're the first person that they've seen
2: in this situation. I think there's a few things there you know i think there's there's definitely something about <clears throat> exploring whether we can have more training on um physical health conditions that can um often have you know um mental health uh consequences uh, and cerebral palsy certainly one we can we can we can look at having some training and certainly some awareness training but also there's the thing about like you say, the, the supervision side of trainees. So yeah, if you've got a trainee nurse or a trainee doctor, um, making sure that um the consultant or the senior practitioner that's um, uh, supervising them has has got that, uh, making sure that they're doing that consistently and well. Um, yeah. Because it sounds like that hadn't always been the case. No,
1: I, I think generally in the NHS system that they have used to train people is to let them get on with it and see patients and learn like that which I completely understand from a professional medical point of view that's a really good way to do it but from a patient's point of view when you turn up at a doctor's office and you know more than they do about what's going on in your body yeah it's a little bit worrying because you're expecting them to help you you're not there to educate them Mm -hmm. so it needs it yes they need to learn i think we appreciate that but there needs to be some kind of middle ground so that the patient doesn't feel like they're the one doing the teaching as Mm -hmm. well as dealing with a a possibly long-term possibly life-threatening Health condition.
2: And I think you're, the consultant that you saw was, in my experience, absolutely right to say that you know your own body and you know what you're experiencing better than anyone else ever will do, even if the, more, the most qualified doctor or nurse. Yeah,
1: or but the the worrying thing is that he didn't say to me, "You're right because you know your own body." He said to me, "You're right because it is a side effect." Yeah it's just very rare and it's more common in people in your situation than it is in the able-bodied. Yeah. So actually, without having read anything, I've put two and two together and come to a better conclusion about what was going on than the doctors I was seeing had, Yeah. because they were following something that was put in front of them on a computer screen and literally checking
2: boxes um um, about supervision because it's it's making sure that actually if you see something that you've not seen before um and talk to someone who is you know kind of presenting with something outside your experience you need to be able to have the the conversation with your consultant or your senior nurse to be able to say what do you think and this is what chloe's told me but what you know i haven't seen it before but what do we think Mm -hmm. to have that kind of ability to have the conversation again is I think a little bit back to the case conference isn't it
1: yeah and I I think also as well it's not just about having that conversation over time sometimes there needs to be a a system in place where you can have that conversation there and then because if you Mm -hmm. as a patient are coming in to a consultation expecting to have your drugs changed or to receive some results and that person doesn't know and they're saying, I'll have to speak to the consultant to get back to you. You've then got to wait another probably four to six months before you actually know what those answers are. And if you're suffering with pain or, you know, emotional distress, that isn't good. You know, you need to have a plan in place that day, exactly. is not within hours of you walking into the hospital.
2: Yeah, all the training grades, uh, you know, whether it's nursing or psychology or medicine, they should have a responsible consultant um, or senior professional overseeing their training. But it's about making sure that those conversations happen, isn't it? You know, where there's a quid raising issue, it should happen.
1: And that they can happen possibly during the clinic or, you know, within hours, if not days after that so that then you as a patient haven't got to come in and go over the same thing again with somebody more senior yeah
2: absolutely um, well, they, they're the questions that I had Chloe I don't know whether you've got any other <clears throat> questions for me that are you um, to pick up?
1: Well, my question to you and to everyone generally I think would be is there a timeline for talking around the things we've discussed and going somewhere towards getting the kind of systems we're thinking about put into place. I understand the current climate doesn't make that very easy, so I'm not expecting, you know, something to happen overnight, but do we have any sort of pointers on progress that things are making? and? Where else from now on can I be involved in helping with that?
2: So I think I've just written a few things down which I think I was going to go through with you to see if you'd agree. I think the first thing we talked about was about um, coordination, case coordination for people with co-morbid sort of physical and mental health issues, disability and mental health issues. And us looking at how we can have a bit of a, uh, a policy or a process around that to make sure that when we've got people who are in your position or people like you, Chloe, so that we've got a real clear process to communicate better. That was the first one. Yeah. Now, I think that's a, <clears throat> that's a piece of work which is a policy thing um, yeah. in the first instance. It'd be great if we could run some drafts by you, but I think that's yeah. something we can do you know, in the next few months. I don't think that should take too long. Yeah. The other one was around the access, accessibility and hoists um, in our ward areas. Now, we're starting to hopefully do refurbishments towards the end of this year. Yeah. Um, And again, it'd be fantastic if you, uh, as a member of several people who would want as service users to help us do that. So that would probably be, late this year early next year by the time we're looking at drawings and architects drawings all those sorts of things yeah and then the la- the last one that i made a note of was a was about um training for people for physical disabilities such as <coughs> cerebral palsy and again i'm going to ask the training department to look at that uh, and yeah. again i don't think that would take too long to get an awareness training um module or some uh some training materials um and i think that again yeah. over before it, actually, we could do that
1: i have actually been approached by my current um consultant psychiatrist to see if i'll help him train some of his students
2: oh fabulous so, like,
1: obviously he would support me but i think what we'll probably do is Stage some kind of consultation, yeah, and um, and train them that way. So he'll be there, but yeah. obviously allow them to come to the assumptions that he already has with his guidance, yeah, so that they will then be more prepared when that situation comes upon them in real life. But I haven't been told as yet what what exactly that will involve and and when it will happen so i don't know whether that's something that we can perhaps chase up
2: yeah absolutely happy to do that so i think that you know that that would be really good but also maybe some wider awareness um raising stuff as well for not just the medics but for the for nurses maybe for yeah
1: yeah anybody that's what we took on across, I suppose, everybody in the NHS is really, across the NHS, I think maybe mental health is a good starting point, because obviously, lack of communication has so many more issues with somebody with a mental health problem in a way, because it, it can cause more immediate distress.
2: Yeah, well, could can certainly look at um, uh, sourcing some awareness training as well as the stuff that you were going to do, so that's fine. And then the last thing I had was about, Remember, I um, talked about the place inspections where we um, have staff and people who use the service going and looking at the physical environments. That would yeah. be really helpful if you could maybe participate in that if, if you were able to. Um, because I think your perspective, like I said earlier, around um, uh, seeing things differently and offering a different um, thought process would be brilliant. for yeah. as well. With Covid being what it is we just need to be in a bit of a better place before we can probably go at all these things so that everyone's yeah. self-included. But as soon as we, you know, hopefully either COVID, um, you know, completely goes away um, or we get a vaccine um, when access to our wards is easier, then then yeah. you know, we'll, we'll look I mean, at that and make sure that happens.
1: I mean, I know it's perhaps not as ideal, but I'd even be happy to do something on Zoom, you know, if somebody was yeah. prepared to... Take a camera around the ward, and I I can get give feedback like that. Yeah. Like, again, thinking creatively. Mm. I'm sure there's there's ways.
2: Um, we'll absolutely, be as flexible as we can because I think um, we're going to have to be creative, aren't we, in this new world of uh, of kind of uh, being through COVID. <laughs> yeah. so, well, hopefully, the things that we've we've discussed. I'll I'll um, I'll drop you an email if that's all right, just to um, just to say they're the things that we've confirmed and i'll i'll as soon as I'm, as soon as i'm able i'll get some sort of time scales great if, conversation
1: if we don't put ourselves out there as we say then we're not going to get anywhere are we so all i see it is that you know it's better than nothing going
2: anywhere at all so yeah absolutely fantastic really really good to speak to you and thanks you've been really generous with your time so thank you <music>